Hello, I'm Joshua Groisberg, a history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. It's finally 2021, and what a great start to the year. It's a final push for congressional Republicans under the Trump administration, the Trump White House. And Georgia's coming up on the 5th, and we're, and we're just going to give our final predictions and uh, the possibilities of what's going to happen. As you might have noticed, our last episode, we discussed if Trump was going to sign the stimulus or not, government shutdown. I don't think even two hours after we uh, published the episode, he signed it. He finally signed the stimulus with the $600 checks. And and now it, it, this week has been so, the past week has been so crazy. We've gone from, oh, we finally did it. We finally passed something to, to okay, now we have to address what the president actually wants in $2,000 stimulus checks since the Democrats are, pro- are jumping on it. And we also have to figure out the defense bill. So stimulus was passed. Democrats failed to get the $2,000 stimulus checks because of McConnell. And all both houses of Congress overrode the veto, Trump's veto of the uh, the National, uh, I think, Defense Authorization Act, the yearly bill that basically funds and prioritizes the Defense Department, because even though he wants Section 230 and and Confederate bases and God knows what else of the, what else of the actual of the culture war, it's the defense that it, our troops needed to get paid. Our national security would have been at risk if we didn't have that bill done. So that's why that's why it's the Congress. Overdid it, and now with the House just being sworn in just hours before we start recording, Nancy Pelosi's Speaker, under the sixth, the Senate and the House are going to certify the Electoral College, and it's largely ceremonial. It's at the Vice President presides over it, just taking roll call, I think. But even if you're listening to this after January sixth, you you'll probably you probably see you probably saw the Electoral College vote, three hundred six to two thirty two is certified, and that's because. This is a largely ceremonial procedure, but now are being trying to be exploited by 12 senators and I think 140 congressmen, all Republicans, in, in, in their last attempt to to save the president, to get it, get him a second term. Oh, you're right about that, Jacob. Uh, in the Senate, Ted Cruz is really leading the so-called final valiant charge against the establishment, riding in on his. Uh, Congressional horse. Also, Josh Hawley from Missouri. Josh Hawley, especially, yeah. Well, 12 centers total are, you know, doing this final Hail Mary. And the deal, the deal with this is the certification of the Electoral College, as you said, Jacob, usually is a ceremonial procedure. Truth be told, in previous elections, when did anybody care about that? Because on election night, and I know this year is different because of the mail in ballots, usually on election night, a winner is declared. The other concedes, and everybody safely knows and recognizes the new president of the United States. Now, because this year is different and because Trump has refused to concede his defeat, the certification of Electoral College has never been as important. So I just think it's very sad for American democracy to not be as trusted as it usually is. These people are not Republicans. They're not conservatives. They're not moderates. They're not alt-right. They're not anything. They're opportunists. They're obstructionists at the deepest core. And this, 
And someone taped a conversation with Trump and uh, the Georgia Secretary of State Raffensperger, who helped certify the George results, residential results in Georgia. Someone taped that conversation. Apparently, Trump did another Ukraine call and tried to get Raffensperger to do a redo or do a recount or whatever. And that's impeachable in the face of it. And, and by the way, that's unconstitutional. The Constitution literally Trump. says federal officials, anyone, they cannot meddle in the sanctity of the electoral process. They have to accept the results and they have to, you know, not try to undermine the electoral process. And let me just read the names of the 12 senators who are who have signed on, okay? As you said, Ted Cruz from Texas, Josh Hawley from Missouri, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, James Langford from Oklahoma, Steve Daines from Montana, John Kennedy from Louisiana, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, Mike Braun from Indiana, Cynthia Loomis, I believe from Wyoming, Roger Marshall, I believe from Kansas, Bill Haggerty, I think from Tennessee, Tommy Tuberville from Alabama. These 12 people do not deserve to be seeing United States senators. I mean, for God's sake, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, they went to Yale, they went to Harvard, they went to Oxford. They clearly know what the law is. They're doing this, this because this they're opportunists. This 2024. This, this isn't about education, right? I mean, you could go to Harvard or wherever. But the reason why they're doing this, I think, is because they want to be reelected. They want to. No, keep but they know better. The they Senate. know better. They know better. Yeah, they, this is 2024. I mean, it's politics. People don't necessarily ask. This is politics. You know, this is politics. This is not politics. This is not politics. This is simple self-interest. This is this goes beyond. Oh, I want my party to win. This is saying I'm going to burn down the electoral process. I'm gonna I'm gonna mandate we have a commission to go into voter fraud, go into irregularities. Screw you, Ted Cruz. Screw you, Josh Hawley. These guys don't care about legitimacy. They, you know, they don't care about the sanctity of the right to vote. Themselves, they need to keep themselves into power. They need, this is why they're going. They're saved. They're trying to save Trump at all costs. They don't care about him. They don't care about anything. I'm, they care listen, about themselves. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to justify their actions. What they're doing is simply disgusting. And you know, as you said, obviously this isn't this isn't politics. You're right about that. But what I'm saying is the reasons for this are purely in self-interest politically. They want to keep their jobs in the Senate. They want to keep, they want to put their agendas into play. And if it means looking the shoe of Donald Trump, then so be it. I mean, it's what they've been doing for the last four years. Well, Ted Cruz wants to be president. Josh Hawley wants to be president. And we were talking about the Senate. What about the House? I think 140, I, I think, of something over 100 Republican Congress, Congress people are trying to stop the certification of the Electoral College. Same thing as they're doing. They're signing Well, they're doing it for the same reason that Ted Cruz yeah. and Josh Hawley no, no. are doing well, it. Well, I actually think they're doing it because House is always more or less considered to be the more um, wild, ideologically diverse, casual, for lack of a better term. They're not as, you know, degree of uh, institutionalism as the, as the pedigree, as, as the Senate. But- these guys, I mean, Lily Gohmert filed a lawsuit against Mike Pence, the sitting vice president, who is obligated by the, Constitu- by the Constitution to sit on the electoral process and simply make sure it goes smoothly. And again, his thing is largely ceremonial. The case obviously got thrown out because Gohmert can't make Pence do anything. These, it was a Trump judge, by the way. So, yeah, yeah, so much for packing the court, McConnell. I mean, well, packing the court means something entirely different. Uh, no, that was court packing. They literally stopped Obama from uh, putting in judges, McConnell, okay, and uh, right. uh, Grassley. 
and Graham. And or let, to put in Trump judges. Yeah, well, Trump, yeah, yeah, yeah the, most, the most egregious example is the Supreme Court. I, I, that's a whole other thing. But the point here, folks, is that this is not simple politics. This is not simple, oh, democracy at work. This is self-interest. The whole thing for voter fraud, it's not out of concern. It's out of it's out of pettiness and power. And I and it and the same thing goes for all the crap that went on a few days uh, a few days before that with the uh, with the um, oh are they actually gonna overturn the veto of the defense bill are they gonna get through or what's going on with the checks I mean it's really just a tug of war between whatever conservative minds the Republican Party are left of the former Republican Party and and all the crazy Trumpists so Romney and Sass and yep. I never thought I'd say this but Liz Cheney of all people. They're, they're probably the only people that really deserve to be in Congress right now. Well, if there, there could have been a presidential candidate that would have kept the Republican Party sane in 2016, it would have been Mitt Romney. Well, he didn't if want he, to run. He lost I mean, I know he was, I mean, I know he was thoroughly defeated by Obama in 2012, but think about it. We would have all been far more at ease if Mitt Romney was president in 2016. Over by that 20. logic, you know, Ted Cruz, I mean, before Trump really rose, it was Ted Cruz or Scott Walker or Jeb Bush. All of these guys had problems with the mass Republican Party as a whole, but nothing like that. But Mitt Romney I mean, was clearly, if Mitt Romney was running defeated. in 2016, he would have been a far better choice than Cruz or Bush. Yeah, policy, yeah, policy-wise, he's more, you know, typical Republican. I, I agree. He would have had more weight, but he would not have been able to uh, outmatch Donald Trump. He would not be able to outmatch the sheer performance of Donald Trump during the debates no. and during the rallies and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's just Donald Trump wins debates, not by, you know, clear and logical reasoning, but through bullying and for being the loudest on the stage. He gets all the cameras on him. There's there's like in the primaries, like 80% of the coverage was like on him. That's how he wins debates. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, it's over. This guy, this guy is going to go off and on January 20th, he's going to go off. He's either going to go to Saudi Arabia or go, go to Florida and stage his Mark Burnett TV time where he's going to basically try to do The Apprentice, but with being president, he can be president on TV. They don't, don't have to do any of the actual work. Not that he really did anyway, because he was golfing most, most last week. Going back to Trump leaving office, Trump has been dangerous for the presidential office in many ways, but especially now, because nobody in American history has ever fought an election so hard as Trump has. I mean, even Al Gore... Some could argue that, Al, that you know, the election was taken away from Al Gore, but he still conceded, right? I'm afraid that, th- that what Trump did may set up a dangerous precedent for future politicians. Of course, it's a dangerous precedent. I mean, 18, we were all worried, everyone was worried in 1876, 1877, the compromise of the contested election. It was made. Uh, but ultimately, the, the, there was, yeah. the, ultimately, there was that concession for Trump. There's likely never, ever going to be any concession of any kind. And I'm just worried that in future American politics, that will become more common. I mean, in 1877, the compromise of 1877 was made in the back room. With Hayes, yeah. Yeah, Hayes and Tilden. Hayes got, Hayes won, and that ended Reconstruction. But um, this is an exercise in, in futility and sedition. This is sedition. Remember that. And this is not hyperbole. This is what it says in the Constitution. This is this is what it says in federal election law. This is the norms of American politics, and this is done because the Republican Party, it's 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 no more, and and that is a, it's sad, it's pathetic, but that that is the truth. 
Well, I wouldn't say it's no more. I would say it's it's faded away, but it may make a resurgence. In like 30 years, when all the Trump people will eventually be forced out in the great war between Don Jr. and... Uh, and Josh I, Romney, maybe? Well, folks, uh, the Georgia runoffs are soon. Voting will be voting will be happening on January fifth on Tuesday, and right now there are two races going on for both Georgia's Senate seats. The first one is between incumbent uh, Republican David Perdue and Democratic challenger John Ossoff. The second is between incumbent Republican Kelly Loeffler and Democratic challenger Raphael Warnock, and. You know, with the runoff election so close, I just want to make some predictions. Uh, so what I'm thinking is that Georgia turning blue for the presidential election, just because Georgia turned blue for, for Biden, I don't think that will necessarily translate to Democratic wins for the Senate. I just think that ultimately the polls, you know, that show Ossoff and Warnock kind of leading by a slight margin, I just don't trust the polls anymore. And I remember 2016, I remember 2020, you know, in 2020, we had all this promise of a blue wave that would sweep the Senate into Democrats' hands, keep the grip on the House, and, you know, throw Biden into the White House by a huge electoral college margin. The truth is, I'm just not entirely sure anymore. You know, David Perdue is, I think, quite popular in the state, and he has been doing a very good job advertising. I mean, even I'm sitting here in Massachusetts. And I'm seeing ads for his campaign. The thing is, he he's quite popular in Georgia. That's what I think. And, you know, I think he has a better shot at winning. But that being said, Kelly Loeffler herself, she's never been elected. She was actually chosen by the governor to, Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong, to replace uh, an empty seat. Yeah, Isaacson. He, he had to resign yeah. due to health issues. Right. So she's never been tested, right? She's never been tried and tested of the Georgian people. David Perdue has multiple, multiple times. And so I think Raphael Warnock does have a better shot than Ossoff. I definitely agree. With, I definitely think that. But that being said, I still think that the Senate will remain in Republican hands. And I do think that best realistic case scenario, uh, Warnock wins and Ossoff loses. That's what I think. Jacob, what are your thoughts? I agree mostly with with what you said. I'm a bit more optimistic now about Ossoff, given given David Perdue's non-existent debate performance and that he didn't show up, and the fact that they are clearly corrupt. Purdue clearly is corrupt. Loeffler is clearly corrupt, and we all know, we all know this. She uh, under the investigation. She had she, her husband just became a billionaire. I mean, she's out of touch. Even if she isn't has anything wrong criminally, no criminal charges, she's clearly like out of touch. But what makes me concerned is that, you know, when Purdue didn't show up for the debate, he, he doesn't seem to be taking this seriously. And it's very well, unsettling not taking to this me seriously. No, no, no. Because he, he thinks that he's going to be safely reelected, and that worries me. I honestly think that if Ossoff does win, it's going to be like 0.1, 0.2%. It's going to be extremely close, far closer than Warnock. And I, 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 I honestly, Kelly and Chicken Purdue, I mean, that, sum, that sums it up. I mean, these guys... They do not. They do not care if they defile themselves in names of, in the name of uh, protecting uh, America, Trump's America, from the radical liberal Waffle Warnock and the, the big nose John Ossoff. And although they did, I, I this is true. By the way, they did. They did uh, have an ad against Ossoff with his nose being extended by a couple inches. And yes, they did pull it after backlash. They, they did apologize, but that's it's not a good look. And honestly, 
whatever happens, I hope this election runs smoothly and that there's no, there's no, there's no violence afterwards. So especially from the proud boys, that, that, that's what I'm really hoping for. I'm hope and I'm also hoping that McConnell will be minority leader three days, well, uh, you know, when you're listening to this, but one can only hope. Yeah. Well, with that debate, when Purdue didn't show up, actually, um, you can't help but notice that Ossoff doesn't, it's not a great look for Ossoff when he's talking to an empty podium. No, it's a great look for him because Purdue he's didn't addressing an to empty show podium. Up. It doesn't, it just doesn't make him, okay, I don't he, know, just no, addressing an empty good podium. He skipped out. David Purdue said, I'm not, go- I don't care enough to come there. I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to have to tell Georgians what I'm, what I'm going to do. Yes, you do. You're their senator. You, he's been there for a term. Georgians need to know what he's going to stand for. And he passed up the opportunity. He said, no, I don't care. There's a great article about how, okay, uh, the first, uh, the, one of the first real challenges in the in, uh, Trump era was 2017 to replace former HHS Secretary Tom Price. That's seat in Georgia. Like outside of Atlanta, John Ossoff ran and he lost. And then it flipped blue in 20, 2018. And now, now Trump, Trump era is ending with Ossoff running for Senate. And I'm it hoping just, it, I'm hoping it's good. I hope the outcome shows that the Trump Trump really did not improve any sort of American conservatism. He did not, he did not improve the Republican Party. He reduced it to its worst elements. I, I do also hope that uh, you know, Mitch McConnell needs to go. You know, the damage he's done is just there's just so much to, you know, I I couldn't even mention it all. But but that being said, I don't think the American people like a single party being controlled of all of Congress, both chambers That's of Congress true. and the presidency. That, so, that is true. And it brings me to my next point. I think it was in Mitch's interest that Trump lost because here's the deal. When, you know, when a new president is elected, usually his party suffers defeats in the midterms. Right. So because of the House's, you know, very, very small group, you know, the, the House may turn red. In that case, I wouldn't mind the Senate turning blue. Then again, the Senate, uh, I think 2022 Republicans in the, in the Senate have a lot. They, they have like 22 races to defend to Democrats, 13. So it's going to be it's going to be actually hard for Republicans to take on unless Biden completely falls, which I, I actually don't think it will, given disarray of the COVID of COVID. I honestly think, yeah, you're right. I mean, Senate could be blue and the House could be red starting 2023. But I'll be honest, I'd be OK with that because. I'd rather have the House be red than the Senate remain in Mitch McConnell's hands. Then again, you get Speaker McCarthy, and that and that that dude's an idiot. I'd rather have him than Mitch McConnell in the Senate. That's what I'm true. That's true. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zers Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server. Follow us on Instagram at Gen Zers Talk Politics and on Twitter at Gen Zers Talk Poly with an I. And add or email us to ask your burning questions. Thanks for joining us and we hope to see you next time.